Less than a week after the Suns' loss in Game 6 of the second round, the rumors are flying and Chris Paul reportedly staying put. Is it leverage? Is it a sign of things to come? We'll talk about it on today's episode of Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Joe's Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. To start off your Thursday as the offseason continues, no head coach, a lot of upheaval in the roster, a lot of uncertainty, so thank you for coming here every day to get the updates and analysis to make sense of everything that is going on in yet another busy Suns offseason. Uh, Aaron Edwards is here, as he is, every single week to help us play a game. We're going to play a game today, and we're, we're hearkening back to last year. I'm not sure how many of the everydayers who were listening back then are, are still here with us. Um, if you are, bless you. Uh, you've been through a lot, and I hope that you're in a good spot mentally. But we're going to play a game that is basically who's staying and who's going. And Aaron, we did this again last year, and I think we got some of it right. We were very out on, on Jay Crowder. That took like an extra eight <laughs> months, but, but we got that one right. Um, and then everything else sort of stayed in place until February, which I don't think we were expecting. So we'll see how much we can get right Is that this when you did the around. hot take? The Chris Paul hot take? Is that when that one first came up? And it kind of was the running thing for like a while after that? I think you, you brought it up in that one, I think. <laughs> I uh I did. I I knew they would never do it, but I felt like after last year it was it was time and uh they are are still keeping us in limbo here. We'll we'll start with Chris Paul on this game uh this year's game because you and I had already planned to do this and then Chris Haynes decided to go ahead and give us a little more uh ammo here for the episode by reporting on Bleacher Report here on Wednesday, that uh, the Phoenix Suns are, quote, likely to guarantee the full salary of star guard Chris Paul for the 23-24 season. Okay, well, you go on to read. We all knew the contract's basically half guaranteed, but the deadline, which I don't know if I fully remembered, was June 28th. So it's like, all right, well, that's before free agency. So, of course, they got to they gotta guarantee it in all likelihood, unless they did something on draft night, because otherwise they're not even going to be able to, to get anybody to replace him because it's in that weird week between the two things. But then he continued in this report. Phoenix still maintains some flexibility with the decision, which is pure insider talk, just, just expert stuff from Chris Haynes, a sentence that means basically nothing. And then, uh, but the franchise is currently of the mindset that Paul will open up next season as the team's starting point guard. Just give me your thoughts on on that before we give our opinions about whether Chris Paul should or shouldn't come back or whatever we think there. What did you make reading this whole thing on a random Wednesday in the middle of May, a month and a half before anything actually has to get decided? I think doing it so early was weird. I think they may have done it early just so, like you said, they have some flexibility to fix it later. I think... It's weird that they did it so early, though. Like, there was no point in doing that unless Chris Paul really wanted to know during exit meetings, and he was like, let me know now. Other than that, I just don't see any reason for them to let us know this early. 
I mean, is it them letting us know? I think that's obviously not not for sure, right? Like it could yeah. be. I I don't know who who it would make sense to leak this. Um, it feels like if it is the Suns, it's either to. I mean, honestly, the only real win that I could imagine that would cause them to want to put this out there is to maintain some leverage if they do eventually trade him. So yeah, I the think- more that I've sat on it, that's kind of where I go is I'm like, well, they must be putting this leak out there in order to show teams like, no, we don't have to do anything. We don't have yeah. to trade him. So if you want him, you're going to have to come get him. We're not just going to dump him for nothing. Yeah, I think with Israel of him, like, with the firings and all that, it would have maybe looked like, oh, maybe we can get some of these dudes that they really don't want for cheap or they're letting, they're cleaning house. So let's yeah. do like, let's go for the fire sale and let's see if we can lowball them. I think that this was kind of a way to show like, no, like you're not just getting this stuff for free. And we're going to say that we really love this dude. This is our guy. We're paying him his money. He's our starting point guard to be like, no, you're not getting like two seconds or, a a very future first for Chris Paul. Like, no, like you're going to get more than that. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about if, if he should stay, um, cause that's a different conversation and, and a much quicker conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Is it, it's just a flat out no to you. I think the time is done. I think, um, we kind of, we kind of needed some of his shot making when, after he got hurt, but, the team just looked better. Everything was faster. The decisions were made faster. Decisions weren't just in his hands. He wasn't the only decision maker. And if he was second guessing something, it slowed the whole offense down. I think having just more cooks in the kitchen, which is usually meant as a negative, I think having the ball in your playmaker's hands and just making snap decisions and just getting into your offense quicker is better. And I just think having one general, even though he's one of the greatest four generals of all time, I think having one dude just make all of the big decisions on the floor, just that time has come. Book has grown. KD's been out there. Like, Book doesn't need that anymore. He needed it before because he needed to learn, like, how to slow down and make better decisions passing and learn how to really play point guard. But he doesn't need that shit or that stuff anymore. <laughs> and I yeah. just think that right now, like, that time has come. Like, he booked it needs to play on one of these running offenses like all these really good teams do. And with Chris Paul, that just can't happen. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, and and we'll have more time, assuming that this continues to be out there, which it obviously will be. There's a long way to go. Um, what I'll say right now is, you mentioned that they needed Chris Paul when he was out, or like you felt his absence. And I agree. I think that they just, part of what happened in that series, they just kind of ran out of capable bodies. But really what I felt like they lost when he went out was just somebody to to make threes. And that's pretty eye-opening when you think about what it is that they're going to need in place of him if they were to move on, right? It's not somebody that does what he does. And I think that speaks to what you're talking about in terms of who's going to have the ball on this team going forward, what type of offense they're going to run the the speed of the offense which has always been a question mark with Chris Paul and everything else and you know and so if it's just a shooter well then you don't probably need to pay that guy 30 million dollars you don't need to have the question of who when can I run the offense how like what is like that's not you don't pay Chris Paul to be a shooter right and so I think that's where I come down is it's just time to evolve what that spot might be 
and and play a little bit differently. What I think is interesting, though, and comes back to some of what they might have been trying to do with the leak here is I'm not also going to just get rid of him to get rid of him. Like, all of this is predicated on on what kind of trade you can make. They also have next year, uh, ap- the year after this, where he'll have $0 guaranteed, and you could then still potentially trade him, and, and that'll be... Uh, there's weird rules about unguaranteed deals because the league doesn't like it when you try to work around stuff by having a big, huge, unguaranteed contract. Oh, we'll trade it for $30 million of guaranteed money, and, and that'll be perfect. It doesn't really work that way, but you'll still have some flexibility... You just have to get the trade right. But big picture, you mentioned a lot of how these other teams are run, and I had the same thing in mind. I was thinking about uh, you know, watching last night's game one, thinking about the Eastern Conference Finals, watching what Boston, how Boston has built their roster. Because I think Boston and the Clippers we think of as the two deepest rosters in the league. And I was trying to think, well, why does it what are the similarities? And it's that they're both both of their best players are wings. Right. And the Suns have that now. And so they're in a good position where the most replaceable positions in the NBA right now, I think, are point guard and center. And so the guy we're going to talk about next and the guy we're talking about right now, that's the positions that they play. And that's part of why I think you can be in in James Jones's shoes and be like, okay, I think we have the confidence that we can replace these players with with good enough stuff because our best players are at the positions that are most valuable in the league in Booker and Durant. And that's a huge upgrade over what the Suns have had before, where they didn't even have a second best player for a long time. Then their (laughs) second best player was an old point guard. Now it's two wings in the end or beginning of their prime. That's what you want. So what type of reasonable return would you be wanting on Chris Paul really quick? I mean, we'll talk about this more as the offseason goes, but just off the top of your head, Really quick, what do you think uh, you would be trying to get back realistically? I don't know what other teams – I don't know what another team would want from him is the thing. Like, yeah. Do you want him just to be in the locker room and like to help your squad just to have like a veteran presence? Do you want to play him actual minutes? Are you trying to make the playoffs? Like, I don't know what situation a team would want him for, so I don't know like the compensation – for something like that for a dude just to be in a locker room at the end of his career. You're not getting that much for that. If you want that for him, if you still think you can contend with him, then I think James Jones gets to have a decent ask. But other than that, like it's kind of, it can go either way when it comes to Chris Paul. Now he's been hurt or sick the last three playoffs. So like, I don't know what people view like his, like what he can bring to him. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. And it sucks for him. You know, he's kind of right back to where he was in the Oklahoma City period where it's like he's going to end up on a on a bad or mediocre team trying to be a veteran presence. And, like, that's how most great players go out. You know, there's a pathway to maybe it's the Clippers or the Lakers or something where he can go where his family lives and be, still be on a competitive team. In that case, he's probably a, a legitimate, like, straight-up backup. You know, what Rondo was on the Bubble Lakers or something like that. You know, not not a, a big impact player, but yeah, there's deals with maybe Indiana or Detroit or San Antonio, these teams that have some young point guards, maybe even a team like Memphis. I don't know um, that, that might like to have uh, more there. Um, I know they have Tyus Jones, who's really good, but that's what you're probably looking at. And you know, it's too early. I, I hate to just 
throw random trade packages out there because then you just look like a moron when it's <laughs> not right. But uh, there will be a lot of suitors, I think. I think the Suns can get role players back for him. Not picks, maybe, but at the very least, a couple of role players. Similar to maybe the next guy we're about to talk about. We'll, we'll hit DeAndre Ayton. Stay <laughs> or go. Good or bad. Keep him or no. And we'll, we'll really dive into uh, his future here. First today's show, guys, brought to you by eBay Motors. Just like uh, a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, and it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With their eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. I actually was using this uh, the other day to try to find my wheel cover came off in the middle of downtown Phoenix the other day, coming back from a Suns game, just rolled off my car. It had been coming off in the parking lot, and I put it back, thought it was good, not good. And eBay Motors truly has everything that you need. I mean, it's people all over the world selling stuff straight to you. So you're going to find what you want. You just got to make sure it fits, and that's what the garage and the check mark is for. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, uh, Aaron, so DeAndrayton's next up, and I have a, a, a thing that I'm, I'm sure you're going to clown me for to admit. I'm not sure how often you listen to the show when you're not on it, or I hope maybe more often when you're not on it. It'd be weird if you only <laughs> listen when you were on it. I do but, not listen to myself. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that I, I kind of sold myself on it in a little bit. Oh, Post God. Mon <laughs> Post Monty. And it's this, but it's the same thing here. I and, knew and you I, were going to do this though. And I had okay. a feeling because you're, and I said it, like I said, the next coach, if you just have to convince a one coach that you can fix Aiton and you're the coach before we have a new one, you're I convincing know. yourself that somebody can fix Aiton already. You're the new coach I was talking about. <laughs> I guess I am. Uh, I'd love to get paid $8 million uh, to not work, which is what most coaches end up doing. Um, but Here's here's uh, the simple one sentence reason why I started to talk myself into him again. April 22nd, 2022, 28 points and 17 rebounds against New Orleans, Pelican, New Orleans Pelicans to save the Suns season in a win on the road. I just think that we've seen the flashes, but it, it, again... I'm not the thing I said on that show that I, I'll, I'll say again now in case people are already laughing at me. I can feel people typing a comment as I'm talking <laughs> here with a, a timestamp like people love to do as if uh, not everyone else also listen to the podcast who's on the comment section. Um, I don't think he's going to be his nickname. I don't think he's going <laughs> to be dunking. I don't think he's going to be blocking four shots a game. He's not going to be Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid or even Rudy Gobert. But I think that he can be that guy more consistently. And so what I mean with all of that is that it's kind of similar to what I just said about Chris Paul. I don't think that this is such a hopeless situation that you just dump him, right? And I don't even think the Suns need to do any of the strategic leaking here because honestly, whether it's real or not, you've, got, you've had guys like Tim McMahon and whatever come out and already say there's going to be a market for Aiton. So I don't think the Suns need to... Uh, drum up interest. They didn't get any interest for him last year because you had to have the cap space to sign him. And the sign and trade stuff just gets complicated. But if it's just a straight up trade, 
I tend to think that there's enough suitors out there where you can get something decent for him. And in that case, great, get rid of him. But if you don't get a lot of interest and you feel like you're making a bad trade, then see what the next coach can do. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I part of me thinks he's still going to be here too. I because I just think coaches are inherently cocky and they think the other guy did a bad job and they can fix the bad job that was done. So yeah, I think he's somebody's going to think they can fix them. But everybody saw these playoffs, and I remember all season, everybody's like, "You guys are using them wrong. Like this is you guys are using them wrong. You trade them to us. Like we'll give you Nurk or whatever." Like people were actively wanting Aiden and then after that series against the Nuggets they were like wow like this guy is (laughs) what like this guy doesn't even want to be there he's getting moved he's soft like all of it and I was watching people the entire season that wanted him like losing interest super quickly so if that's what the market saw too (laughs) and they're like maybe we can fleece the Suns I think they probably would have thought they could fleece us more when Monty was here. <laughs> and they're like, Monty wants a gun, so we can get him. I think yeah. a new guy is going to be like, I actually like him. And if you want him, you're probably going to have to give us a little bit more. But like Kerr said, you want your set, you want rebounding in big games. You want rebounding and you want rim protection. And it's Katie had to pick up a lot of slack. The loony rebounding, like he was saving them on the boards. And he was going against Aiton or against D, uh, Anthony Davis head up on the boards, and yeah. we couldn't we couldn't survive a game like that. <laughs> and Jokic had 15, 12 in the first quarter. Like I think, just we don't need another scoring big man who needs his touches, needs his touches to be in the game. Like we need to do that can rebound. Like we need rebounders mm-hmm. and we need to run. And if we can get something like that for him, I'm more than down with it. Yeah, I went through some names um, on the show yesterday, and like I, I brought up, like if if you really were just trying to scrape the bargain bin to replace a him, if you end up not getting a big man back in a trade, let's say, right? Um, like people have brought up, like Charlotte with Rozier and Hayward as as options or whatever, um, like Dwight Powell and Jackson Hayes. Those are both like just purely dudes to put out there, but maybe those guys aren't good enough rebounders. They're not definitely not Kevon yeah. Looney. They're more like JaVale McGee, but um, I think that it kind of speaks to there's always going to be options at center, but I think that the idea that like the center spot is so replaceable, like that was the whole debate last summer that we all had with Aiton was like, well, you know, all the stuff out there about James Jones doesn't believe in paying a center max money. It's like, well, it's great to say that you don't want to pay your center max money, but you also don't have a center that's good enough to be paid mid money. You know, (laughs) that's a lot easier said than done. If you had Robert Williams waiting in the wings on this team, then Aiton would have been gone two years ago or whatever, right? Like they don't have that guy. They have to go find that player after they get rid of Aiton. Maybe he does come back in some sort of trade. You get a, another big man in, in place of him. That that would be sort of weird to me because if another team had him, well, then they probably wouldn't want to trade it. So I don't really <laughs> know what the... I don't know what the solution or sort of like backup plan would be if you ended up getting rid of this guy unless it is just get a guard or a wing or a forward back in a trade or multiple of those and then you end up with 
something like Powell and Hayes as your backup? Because the Suns aren't going to have a lot of money to throw around at this stuff if they if they can't get it in a trade. And maybe, yeah, like you score on the number 52 pick and get a center. Congratulations. <laughs> that, you know, that's one in a million. So that's kind of what's hard. They have to get championship players back. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. It's one thing to say get rid of them, but it's like, well, if you end up with a bunch of crap in, in place of Aiton and Paul, then you're not winning a championship next year. Yeah, I think the Paul one is probably just easier because the market is just going to be the market on them, depending on the team. So I think that Chris Paul, you know what you're getting with him. With Aiton, it's just so many question marks on will the next person want him? Will Does James Jones still believe in him? Do, do they want that contract? And yeah, yeah like I, I do think we're going to just bargain up the next center. I don't think it's going to be a star name. I think it's going to be a body that rebounds. And mm. that's just what the NBA is now. And you mostly just need, especially with what the Western Conference is going to be for the next couple of years, you're going to need rebounds and fouls because Jokic is going to be there every year now and he's going to be coming at you so for the most part we just need rebounds and fouls and we just need some bodies to put out there well and hopefully you know the next coach is and i think monty might have done this with an actual off season who cares i don't need to keep defending monty um (laughs) he's gone uh maybe the next coach will play durant at the five more right like so (laughs) if that's an option then you don't you don't need to have like three centers on the roster you might just need to do one or two solid ones. Um, but yeah, I think the other part with the difference between a Paul trade versus an Aiton trade is the team acquiring Chris Paul can then uh, stretch him and pay him the $16 million over five years, and that's a pretty small cap hit, whereas Aiton, like you said, the contract is big. That's a difference. I do want to say, though, on, on the Aiton side of things, like it's only three more seasons. That's one of the benefits of the way that things played out, of not having to give him the five years and everything else is or not doing the sign and trade last year, you're only trying to give up three years of him at a lot of money. But if you're a really bad team right now, what are you doing the next three years? You know, your, your young centerpiece might not even be making their max deal by then. You know, you could just pay Aiton up until that point. And then when, when he's expired, your, your, your actual core, if he's part of it or not is, is ready to get paid. So I think that there is a little bit of flexibility when you're only talking about a couple of years, but we'll see. Um, so I think we're on the same page that it's time to turn the page on both of those guys. Let's go rapid fire through the rest of the roster. Um, is anyone on this roster going to be in place next season? Is anyone worth keeping? We'll go through the names next. First one more quick break. All right. Staying or leaving part two after another awful home playoff defeat. Um, Talked about eight, and we talked about Paul. I think we're in agreement on that. Chris Paul, uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, I don't think we need to discuss. So the next biggest salary on this roster, Aaron, is Landry Shamit. So I think that they can use him in a trade if they need to. You could see them attaching him to Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton if they need. They can also use him in a trade like that to actually – give up more salary and take back less to try to get under that second apron that they're now having to worry about, which I think is like $182 million in salary. Uh, they currently have 164 on the books already. So 
that's probably the most likely way that I think you could get rid of Shamit, but I don't think he's at a point where obviously you're you're going to get value back for him straight up. I mean, that's not even a question. Yeah, I even last year, I I mean, even for the KD stuff, and even before that, we were always attaching Shamit because of his contract to whoever we were going to trade. So, yeah, I don't I think he's going to start the season here, but I think he's always just going to be in trade talks connected to either Chris Paul or DA because we were already doing it. I, yeah, he's still on the books for another year, I think. So yeah, I can see him. He maybe has two not more surviving. after next year. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah so he has I a, <laughs> a non guaranteed in 2024. And then the last year on it is 2025, which is a team option, which is basically the same thing. So yeah, this is the last guaranteed year. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think he survives the February deadline, but I can see him starting the season here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me ask you this because we didn't talk about it with Chris Paul what type of point guard you could use a specific name that you think they should target or just like a type of player because now we're back to the same conversation we were having before they got Chris Paul which is if Booker's destiny is to have the ball in his hands primarily then what do you put next to him um, and I do still think you need a ball handler but what type of guy would you be targeting because that, that would affect maybe part of what they want to do with Shamit because he is somebody who you can still put out there and provides a little bit of ball handling in a lineup like that, especially in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, like, it can never happen, but Dream Scenario is like somebody like Conley. Like, I think that's the perfect point guard for this team. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He's a confident shooter, and he still attacks the basket. I would love to have, like, a dude like Conley on the team. Okay. Yeah, I'm... Pretty bummed that uh, Toronto traded for Jakob Pertl because <laughs> Aiton for Fred Van Vliet was just sitting right there, and um, <laughs> it's not going to happen now probably. Uh, there, the other thing with all this is sign-in trades are uh, not great for the Suns because he has – so so Van Vliet has a player option. So that, that dream is not completely dead. He could opt – he could just stay on that last year of his deal and then get traded and then – you know, you see from there, if, if you can re-sign him next season, that's still on the table. But if Pirtle's on that team, they don't need Aiton. But in general, if you're trading, it's the same thing with Irving or Harden, the names we've heard from like a third star perspective. If you're having to do a sign and trade, then you get hard capped. And then it's even harder to build out the rest of this roster. And the Suns only have uh, like six salaries on their books for next season, which is not a full team. So, all right, let's go rapid fire uh, again through these, Aaron. Campaign, non-guaranteed, six and a half million. Stay or stay or go. Go. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think he's a playoff player. Unfortunately, I think he's a liability I think, defensively. I think I said that in the text, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Tory Craig, unrestricted free agent. He's coming off of making five million, but I think he's more of a minimum player in reality. Um, if he, if he would take a minimum to stay here, he owns a nice house. His son goes to school here. If he's just like, I, I want to stay in Scottsdale and, and be on this team that I've had my best years on. Can I just stay here on the minimum? What do you think? Yeah, I can see him staying just because you can, I mean, I was, I almost said you can never have too many wings, but I sound like Bonnie and, but like, he's a good wing to have a dude that's switchable on defense and he tries and when he's hitting shots, he's really good. So yeah, I can see him sticking around. All right, TJ Warren is an interesting one here. Um, unrestricted free agent. 
and he was making like the mid-level last year, I think, or maybe a minimum. I'm not sure. Either way, I think he's probably a minimum guy this year, considering he barely played, even though he was healthy last season. He didn't really get to prove a lot. I would, I would love to have TJ Warren back on this team and a coach that integrates him into the game plan fully, because I think that's exactly the type of buy low thing you want when you're an expensive star, like top heavy star laden team. Yeah. I think with not knowing who the next coach is going to be, I would want TJ Warren back. We didn't have like the most offensive minded coach before. And we were, when we were good on defense, Monty really had it like the wheels turning, but yeah, I think like if we do have, if we're going to run, like I think we are next year and the next coach really like, leaning into getting book his looks and getting KD looked, I think you would want another offensive player for that second unit. So I could see TJ Warren's stand. Yeah. TJ shot 33% from deep this year, 49% from the field, 54% from two, uh, you know, two to one assist to turnover ratio hits the glass in a small role. Like I, I think you could do way worse. So I, I really, I, I think that he should be a priority personally. Um, this one's interesting because I have no idea what he's going to make on his next contract. It probably is still going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a minimum and maybe like the taxpayer mid-level at, at the most. Josh Okoge. He was out of the rotation by the end of the playoffs, but <laughs> I think he had some really nice flashes. It's just sort of how long can you wait for the three-point shot that's still never really been there in his NBA career. He was... Like he was so good though. He gets to the line. He attacks when, I mean, when KD showed up, it kind of threw him out of whack. But those that streak when KD was still out and Chris Paul was still like kind of getting better. I he was playing really well. So I think with just like to be the guy, one of the guys in the second unit or something like that. I think that would be really good for him, just because you have somebody attacking off the bench, getting to the line, and a really strong defender. I agree. I mean, I'm a big Akoki guy. I think anyone who listens to the podcast knows that. I think the next coach should just be showing him, well, the coach themselves should be watching tape of Bruce Brown on Bruce the Nets. Bruce Brown, I was thinking the same thing. On the Nets, though, because the one thing about the Bruce Brown this year that I think people are missing is, like, the dude was a point guard in, at Miami in college. Like, people were like, how did this come to be? It's like, well, this is actually what he was. It was kind of more impressive that he was doing the other thing in Brooklyn when he was basically a big man at 6'4", but that and then Gary Payton in Golden State, like that's his destiny. And and the Suns weren't ready to use him that way. When when Jokic was guarding him, they were like thrown off by the idea of using him as a screener. When I, I literally did an episode preseason talking about this exact thing, Bruce Brown, Gary Payton, use a Kogi like that. I did it in September and it took them, you know, eight months to remember that that's an option with him. The next coach should just use him that way from the jump. And I think he'd be a, a good playoff player. Um, Jock Landale, if he's a minimum player, I think you could do a lot worse as a as a center option. Yeah, I mean, he showed that he was willing to bang down low. He rebounds really well with, against second unit centers. I mean, even with uh, Jokic sometimes, he kind of really did pretty decent on the boards. But yeah, like a second unit, like third center, yeah, that'd be nice. If they can avoid getting... Uh, too much salary back if they do trade Aiton and Paul and or Shamit and Payne, if they can reduce their salary and avoid the that second apron thing that's in, in the new CBA, 
I think it would be smart on some of these guys to actually give them a little bit of a raise. Like maybe you give a Kogi the, the taxpayer mid-level or a portion of, of it on purpose because then they make more money in a trade if you need to trade them eventually. If you just keep having a bunch of minimum guys, it's hard to make trades. You kind of want to keep giving people raises the, the amount that you're allowed to. That way they, they, you have that flexibility. So I want to throw that in there. Um, Darius Baisley. To me, this is a no-brainer. Like this is, a, I, I don't know if he's going to be good. I'm not going to pretend like I was scouting Thunder games really deeply. He didn't even go to college, so it's hard <laughs> to really say. But I would totally keep him around just for the 5-10% chance that he becomes a, a good player and you got him for cheap and he's really, really young still. Yeah, that that last Clippers game of this regular season, I was already in. Like The flashes that he showed, like the athleticism when he was attacking and – it's like he had a green light that I didn't think even in a game like that, Monty would give somebody that young. And he was just attacking and really athletic and he just not scared to put the ball on the floor. I really want to see what he can become if somebody like really grows him and like really takes time with him as a player. Yeah. So Kogi's 25, Baisley's 23. Like that to me is reason enough. Like just bring them back, <laughs> you know, I, I <laughs> just see what they can do because the way that, like, I don't know if Suns fans have fully evolved on this perspective yet, but whatever you thought of, like, how impressive it was that Bob Myers found Otto Porters and da- Dante DiVincenzo's and Gary Payton the first time when he was on the scrap heap and whatever team you wanted, the Heat getting Gabe Vincent, like, that's going to be your reality as a Suns fan now. You have to hit on those types of things because of the way that this, this cap sheet is, is going to be set up. Uh, right starting now but even more so in the future when uh, next season in 2024 Booker and Durant are going to make a combined 102 million dollars that's insane Um, so you gotta you gotta nail the stuff on the margins and you gotta find young guys who can keep getting better even though you're not going to have draft picks (laughs) good luck James Jones Um, all right last thing here because I haven't gotten your thoughts on it uh, even even uh, via text or anything who do you want as the head coach if if you could just Pull a name and make it happen. Who would you who would you pick? Tyler. Okay. If it's <laughs> if, if you can't get him, if the trade doesn't work out, if he's not actually available, if tomorrow morning we wake up to a woge bomb that's like Tyloo has signed a new contract with the Clippers, keeping him in place for the next five years or whatever, then what would you go from there? I think the Kevin Young thing is fine too. But I'm, I want I'm Tyler. gonna <laughs> I'm gonna rub that in so hard if it happens. Um, I'm just letting everybody know now. Not quite as much as Durant actually getting here. That was like my ultimate victory we kinda, lap. We kind of didn't even take a victory lap like that because no. I remember I remember the comments, guys. You guys are saying it was never going to happen, and then you switched it up after it did happen. But, yeah, we didn't really like take a victory lap on that. It's true. I should have <laughs> done a bigger one. Um, I did like a 15-minute live first thing in the morning before I had to go to my day job that morning and kind of did it a little bit, but I could have done it harder, but we were all celebrating. I didn't want to be negative. Uh, I I was absolutely right. I was doing Durant shows from July to September, and I was getting barked at uh, by my own (laughs) listeners who thought I was an idiot, and and I was not, Um, but... In this case, I put the Kevin Young thing out there and a bunch of people were like, why on earth would you want to have somebody from this same staff who just failed and some young guy who doesn't know what he's doing and this and that? And I was like, well, he's the guy who works Booker out. Seems like they probably have a good relationship. He is a well-respected coach who's getting interviews elsewhere. So if you want Willie Green to happen again, then okay, let him go. But if you think he's smart and he's well-respected, you probably should at least 
give him a chance. And he seems to be a little bit more of an outside-the-box thinker than Monty, considering Monty himself said a bunch of different stuff, whether it's offensive rebounding or whatever, came directly from Kevin Young pushing him on it. So let's see what that guy can do, you know? Um, so... I think that could be a good one. I don't know. I don't think he's like my number one choice by any means. I'm agreeing. I, I'm in agreement with you that that Lou would be mine, as uh, as the listeners will already know that. But um, it's good. It it was exciting to me. I'll put it this way: that Gambo said on I think Wednesday or Tuesday that he doesn't agree from what he's hearing that the same thing that Woj and Shams have been saying that the Suns are are completely only focused on experienced guys. That was like a sigh of relief from me. Cause I'm like, if, if they pigeonhole themselves into hiring Frank Vogel, just because they gave themselves like <laughs> weird limitations and, and Ram, uh, you know, whatever on, on, they have to have these exact criteria. That would be a really bad move. So I'm, I'm happy that whether it's Kevin Young or another assistant on another team, that's good news to me. Yeah. I don't think Ishbia would ever just put himself in a box like that either. Coach wise. When you're paying Monty for an extension that he never even actually got to, to coach on, uh, you, you probably don't want to necessarily, unless you're getting somebody you believe in, you don't want to pay, you know, what Doc Rivers or Frank Vogel is going to cost if you don't have to. If, if you're not sold on them, why why force yourself yeah. to pay what they're going to what they're going to cost when you could pay, you know, Kevin Young half of that or whatever. Um, let's let's close it there, though. That'll wrap us up. One last show uh, tomorrow to close out the week. We'll see if there is any more news. I might do an ideal Suns offseason show either Friday or Monday, depending on what the news allows. We'll go through the best case scenario from top to bottom. Hit I'm follow and subscribe to get, get that to, show. What? I'm glad we didn't get to your uh, Kobe White love. <laughs> Look, I brought it up yesterday. I, it, that's a perfect example of the same thing we're talking about with Okogi and, and Baisley, to be honest with you. like It's just... You've taken a chance on a young guy to see if they can be something better on a on a good team, great team. That's the type of thing, like, we're going to have to get excited about a lot of Kobe Whites in the next couple of years, I'll just say. Maybe not him, but a guy like him, uh, we're all going to lose our mind about a couple times, I'm sure. Um, but listen to Locked on NBA. Get caught up on all things lottery, playoffs, offseason, coaching carousel. That show has you hooked up every single day of the week as well to cover the whole league. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow.